Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Entrepreneurial Talent Recruiter Podcast. This is the podcast where we interview successful recruiters and coaches to learn about their journey, the obstacles that they've overcome, and how you can model their approach to build your recruitment business. My name is Andrew Alex, and I'm joined by my wonderful host, Scott Solari. Scott, how are you? I am doing great, Andrew. I am doing great. Yes. I can, I can feel the electricity in the air because uh, yeah. you're excited to be recording some podcasts with me today. And Scott, let me introduce our get our listeners to our guest this week and interviewee. His name is David Fishman. He's the managing partner of Sparrow Company and has successfully worked his way to the top of the United States recruiting market. Partnering with several multinational companies, he's placed individuals into top and mid-level management positions globally. His success has been recognized with a membership to the Pinnacle Society, the nation's premier consortium of top recruiters within the permanent placement and search industry. Scott, I've got a question for you. Oh, I, I may know what it is, Andrew. I know you know what it is, but I have to say it anyway. And that question is, what are our wonderful listeners going to learn from your interview today? Great question, Andrew. And uh, I just want to say David's name because David Fishman. Ah, great name. Uh, David's great. And what our listeners are going to learn is the importance of being dynamic and truly being helpful with HR, with the people that are grinding out at these big corporations and companies, the HR department, making friends and being great with them. It can help change your business. So he's going to talk to you all about that. Great. Well, let's utilize his strengths and listen to his interview with you. And we'll check back in with you after that. David, welcome to the podcast. I really appreciate you being here. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So, David, I always like to start off. I kind of just mentioned this to you, but um, tell us a little about, you know, how you got into recruiting and, um, you know, how you, you worked through this industry to become founder of uh, Sparrow Search. And, um, yeah, tell us a little bit about the story. Okay. Uh, actually, it was... Uh, 21 years ago, and I had a family member involved uh, in the industry. Actually, he was more involved within the temporary industry. So I actually started on a temporary desk. I joined, uh, uh, I was in the U.S. Coast Guard for six years. I'm actually one of the few in my industry without a degree. Uh, I uh, sometimes pride myself on not having a degree, but then I realize everybody I work with has degrees, and so I'm, I'm one to always profess the need for degrees. Um, but anyway, so I got out of the U.S. Coast Guard, joined a, a smaller uh, staffing company, which, a bit, which eventually was sold to a very large uh, national chain where I worked at temporary desk for a year and a half to two years. After that, I uh, kept dreaming about being an executive search professional, a recruiter. And uh, I basically bagged a couple of my clients who had some mechanical engineering openings to give me a shot at that. And I'd say uh, every day, hey, like, would you give me a shot? And they said, well, David, you do great for our laborers, our admin staff, and our temporary staff, but we already have headhunters that work on those. So I kept saying, well, why can't I headhunt? And I uh, parlayed that into one of my largest clients. To this day, I, uh, years later, I've been working with them for over 20 years, and I've placed, I've placed over probably 210 professionals. Uh, we did about 10 this year so far, 200 
10 professionals with my largest client. Um, I'm about client development, and I run with a small pack of clients. I have 15 to 20 clients. Out of those 15 to 20 clients is the 80-20 rule that applies. So we have a lot of repeat performance uh, and, and filling of the deals of, of clients we've worked with for years. So tell us a little bit about you know, the process of you know, working with these businesses, I, I'm sure a lot of recruiters out there are like, you know, how do I get these big deals? How do I get with these big companies that are going to be, you know, longtime clients and repeating clients that I can keep, uh, you know, working with um, to make that many placements? I mean, that's a lot of placements that you've made already this year, you know? Yeah, well, we've done about 10 with this one coming in. We haven't done 200 this year. We've done 200 in the uh, two, I've ever done over 200 in my career as an executive search professional for this one large multinational company. But what I've learned to do, and I think I've mastered as a recruiter, is being able to get into a company, latch on to a specific person that can give you more through relationships, okay? So I start with one, I've started with one person and several of my clients, and, um, Typically, that's going to be a human resource professional. Now, I know this is, throws recruiters upside down a lot. A lot of people are trained to go after hiring managers. I came up a different way. I came up the, the way that I work with an HR director. The HR director has these openings. He, he or she uh, sets up the, uh, the call with a hiring manager, and we're, we go by a certain rule book that I respect and ethically always follow through on. What I mean by that is, uh, I march to the tune of the company. If they tell me to march left, I march left. If they tell me to march right, I march right. I am there to serve and to absolutely fight to find the best talent for these organizations. That's that's excellent, man. I, I love that. So, um, do you when you're when you're looking for talent, are you are you getting specific? You know, obviously, there. You know the the group is the company that you're working for is looking for a certain type of talent, right? And certain positions to be filled. Do you find that the, the, the companies that you're working with are, are in some sort of niche or is it more specific? Like you just said to that company, you're going to do whatever it takes to make sure that you're servicing them in the right way. And, and um, how do you, I like, how did you identify the approach that you need to take? Well, you, you know, the approach sort of came naturally to me. As I told you, I started working at a temporary desk. On this temporary desk, I'd fill everything from a, a electrician to a administrative assistant to uh, technicians to uh, accounting techs, whatever it might be. So I was trained on a temporary desk that gave me the key term of being a generalist. Just for instance, right now in Southern California, we have a, a multinational manufacturer who we just wrapped up an electrical engineering search like last week and I mean officially yesterday was Monday so yesterday was official and they gave us a new job order and it's an it's a tax professional it's it's for their accounting and finance department and the tax department okay so that goes to show you we are what I've termed a generalist firm we work in everything from engineering positions to right now we have an executive search for for a general manager a country manager in Mexico so, so we are quite diversified. I believe every search is fillable. And once you learn how to recruit, uh, you can recruit for just about anything you want. Now we do, there are plenty of niche recruiters who say, well, I'm, a, I, I'm in electrical engineering. I can recruit better than you. 
uh, it's really about the tenure of the candidate. It's really about the personality of the candidate. It's really about can the candidate move or not, okay, for each one of these positions. Identifying talent is about it starts with the resume and it goes on to a conversation. And that can be done from engineering to finance. So I'm going to kind of change gears a little bit here. I want to talk a little bit about how to thrive with the contingent type search. So tell us a little bit, you know, about what you're doing to be successful at that. Well, thriving at the contingent search, I think every contingent search professional wakes up in the morning and says, uh, oh, crap, I got to do it again. I mean, at the end of the day, we all have to do it again. Okay. And I would say that we're built differently than the retained search model. Uh, I, I, I still dream of being this big retained search professional one day. I've been saying this. I'm 48 years old now. been doing this since I'm in 27. And I keep, keep thinking, well, one day I'll just go and retain. And it seems like every time, once a couple times a year, I do get a retainer, I'm sort of bored with it. You know, I mean, I, you know, they give me a check up front and then, and then I, and I go, wow, I got money now. And, and so we're, contingent search people are built that way. You know, they're built differently than a retained search. And we always want to leave the rat race of contingent and what I call in the pit recruiting, where every day you're, you're having battles with other recruiters. As a 48 year old, I'm looking at 26 year olds, 28, 30 year olds, 35 year olds, trying to go after my customers and I have to retain them as a customer and give them and fight to give them the best talent possible. Correct. So um, I'd say contingent search is an area that it's an absolute love hate relationship, but it's all, it's also paid all my bills, paid my houses, you know, paid for my families, whatever it might be. So I think I'm sort of stuck in this contingent world. And every time I try to leave it, I, uh, uh, I, I think why, I mean, I'd rather, I'd rather run in the race than, 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 than the other alternatives. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. So, um, tell me a little bit about, you know, founding Sparrow in, in the height of the recession and like how you're able to, you know, build this company. Well, Sparrow company was a dream I had for many years. I just didn't know it. Um, until the recession came, okay? I was working for a fairly large traditional firm where I was vice president of direct placement. I had a team of 12 people. We were doing a million plus a year easily. On my desk alone, I was doing 700,000, okay? And we had, we, everything was, you know, from 2002 to 2007, life was great. Now we all notice that this big wave is building. It's sort of like you see this big wave coming at you and you know it's going to crash eventually or you're surfing on that wave, however you want to look at it. And the wave's going to go away and it's going to crash. And certainly that wave was building, building, building. I remember in 2008 going to the person I was working with saying, hey, I think we have some problems here. I think something's going to happen here soon. Um, and at that time, I was an employee. I was not a partner of the company. And I kept um, dreaming of having my own business one day. Well, the wave crashed, and in September of 2008, that big, large company, I told you that with all those job orders, gave me that last job order, and I didn't work with them again until 2012, 2013. It took that long of a recovery for, that, for my number one customer. So in wow. 2009, I remember being in August, I said, hey, I need to start, a, I, I'm, I'm going to go out on my own right now. There was nothing left. Um, there was nothing left, Scott. I mean, it basically was um, 
recruiting was like a ghost town. And I remember latching on uh, starting Sparrow. I came up with the name Sparrow. I worked a lot, used to work a lot with heavy industrial. I still do. And Sparrow, Sparrow's Point was a company over in uh, uh, Bethlehem Steel had a plant named Sparrow's Point. And it, uh, you can read the bio on my website. But that's where I ended up coming up with the name. I thought it rang good, Sparrow Company. And um, in 2009, I, I opened that, October 2009. Um, and I went after um, the prepaid wireless markets, oddly enough. I got completely outside of my industry. I found an industry that was thriving. Nobody was stay, nobody was uh, signing up for deals in, uh, for cell phones. Everybody wanted to do prepaid. So I started recruiting salespeople for the prepaid industry, and that gave me $110,000 that year, which put me through, that got me through the recession when it was just myself again, starting from scratch, and I, I worked my way out of it. Uh, and eventually, uh, came back to the clients came back to me. I started building more and more with Sparrow. Now we have, you know, we have people in Mexico and in the United States working. That's amazing, man, because it's like, you know, and it kind of goes back to what you said earlier when you were talking about, you know, doing whatever it takes for these different companies that you work for and being able to grind it out and just, you know, get on the phone. And 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 I think the it seems like the experience that you've had in working with so many different types of companies and and um, placements has put, put you in a position to go out and just and just figure out a solution when when a lot of people were just struggling and couldn't make it. Absolutely, and you know what? Every every uh, from prepaid wireless when I was uh, they were they were one they were one of the largest master agents. When I latched, every company I've worked with have came from previous relationships that I've expanded through human resources departments. That's what's a little different about me. Okay, and uh, now we're actually one of our one of our oddest customers. Not odd, but one of our one of our uh, customers now here in Southern California. We actually recruit for the one of the uh, one of the uh, highest end auto dealers in Southern California. So if you see a Porsche, a Rolls Royce, uh, any type of Mercedes, uh, they have five branches throughout uh, California, and we recruit for them. We also offer them reference check services, where we've hired a reference check professional that does all their references. So we definitely know how to diversify. We definitely that person. The director of, of, of that uh, high-end auto dealership came from another position that I worked with before and previously. So it, it's about maintaining relationships, I believe. At the end of the day, is where, that's, where, that's where the money is going to be and being patient also. Yeah, I like that. So, you, you know, continuing on that, um, you know, over the years, you've been doing this for 20, 20 years, you know, with some of these companies you work with, how did you how did you stay in touch? How did you maintain those relationships, especially during a recession when, um, you know, maybe a lot of people weren't doing business? Well, I'll tell you what. One of, one of the biggest benefits I had in my career was from 2002 to 2008, I filled at least 15 to 20 human resource positions, okay? Mm-hmm. And a lot of these people started off as human resource coordinators with my customers, they moved up to human resource manager. They moved to director. Here comes recession. The recession comes, and guess what? They, they, the, they were faced with layoffs. They all went to different customers. They all went to different opportunities. I said, hey, I stayed in. They're genuinely, 
you know, I call them friends. It's a weird thing. We've talked for so many years. I know about their family. I know about what they're doing. I know about their, you know, their children and where they live and what they do as hobbies, but very rarely meet them. It's, it's sort of an odd relationship. So I, I always say, okay, it, 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 it's the funny thing about contingent search, and everybody can identify with this. Everybody's your best friend while you're filling a the deal. Then all of a sudden, the deal is closed, and you, the person you thought was your friend was really merely a customer that you were giving the best possible service to. So a lot of them are friends, and we and uh, I've also learned to uh, I'm flying um, I'm flying down to Monterey, Mexico, tomorrow morning at four in the morning, where we become members of the American Mexican Chamber of Commerce in Monterey, Mexico. I'm going to be there for the event, and then I'm flying back Thursday afternoon. And in fact, tonight I'm having dinner with a vice president of human resources who is looking at getting an opportunity here in California, and we're going to go through the interview prep. So I, I sort of immerse myself in my job. And, I, and if you are an eight-to-fiver in this business, you can succeed, I believe, but you're not going to punch through to the other side of, of, of you know, $500,000 a year-plus billings. And $500,000 a year-plus billings requires organization, it requires drive, and it requires dinners. It requires flying out. If you have customers in Ohio, flying to Ohio. If you have customers in Arizona, flying to Arizona, wherever you might be. Or if you work a local market, which I sometimes think, well, why the hell don't I do that? Where I just go out and meet everybody. But it's sort of my chips have fallen where they're falling, and that's how, that's what I deal with. So, awesome, uh, David. Is there anything else that you listeners with? Um, you know, about being successful in the, in the market that we're in right now? Well, we've had uh, some challenges the last year. I think everybody's faced these challenges of a, of a, you know, everybody wants to tell you how bad the economy is. And, and, we, and everybody knows that the candidate markets haven't, have never been tighter. We've had, we just faced a turndown yesterday for an um, environmental professional up in the San Francisco Bay Area put a lot into it and the person turned us down and that's becoming quite normal. Turndowns have, have been, we've been scorched by turndowns and, uh, and no matter how hard you battle to land that person, most of the time it truly comes down to dollars. And is your company going to ask, uh, going to give them the best package, uh, salary package. And most young people aren't looking for, they're looking there. They don't care about the benefits. They don't care about anything. They care about, hey, if they're making 80000 can they make 90000 Can they make 96000 Whatever it might be. So I think the challenges of a tight market um, are quite um, – I, 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 I try to read into that more and try to figure it out and try to figure out the recipe and how to combat that. I'm constantly always trying to better myself, and um, I would say staying on top of your game. How do you stay on top of your game as a recruiter? You, uh, you, 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 get, uh, uh, you, you get notifications about your customers. If they're a publicly traded company, you know where they're trading at. If they are, uh, uh, you read Fortune magazine, you read Bloomberg Business Weekly, you stay sharp, uh, Bloomberg Business Weekly, you stay sharp on current events when it comes to business. And I would suggest that to anybody, but also really knowing your clients, knowing what they're about. You know, there's a big announcement of the company. We had, we had a customer just go public two weeks ago being able to congratulate them on that and those type of things. Awesome. David, I really uh, appreciate you uh, being on today and helping 
uh, the recruiters out there and, and helping educate them with your knowledge. And, and uh, yeah, I appreciate you. Well, I, I appreciate uh, your time. Um, I would say that uh, once this is posted, if anybody wants to reach out to me and has questions, I'm always available. I, I love, I, I love, collaborating with other recruiters. You know, a lot of recruiters, Scott, they're always afraid that they, the other recruiter is like, what does he want to, I remember I, I'd call competitors up who work the same markets that I do and I'd say, hey, I want to have a conversation. They're like, well, I don't, well, why do you want to, what do you want to talk about? I, and they're, they're all befuddled and befuddled or however you say it. And, and uh, you want to learn about it. You want to know what your competitors are doing. And, and you truly can work with other recruiters. And I'm not talking about split deals. I don't do split deals. But what I'm talking about, understanding your industry, collaborating, and always learning about other recruiters and what they're doing. So if anybody has, uh, you know, wants to reach out to me, they can go to sparrowsearch.com or they can give me, a, uh, give me a call from there and email. But I'd be more than happy to talk with I, I love talking about my profession. I love, I love my profession. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Thank you very much, Scott, for your interview. I want to send a special thank you to David Fishman for sharing his time, wisdom, and expertise with us here at the podcast, as well as with all of you listening out there. Scott, I love this interview with David because, you know, he really explains how he was able to leverage those personal relationships with, you know, the HR departments that are in his client bank and, and make sure that he is positioned as, you know, their trusted connection for, you know, for making placements and, and leveraging those relationships, you know, even when the economy was down and, and, and still being able to take advantage of that. Yeah, totally. It's, it's interesting because he works as, you know, he talks about working as a generalist, Andrew, but you know, he, he focused on working within human resources and working with human resources directors and making sure that he really built great relationships with them so that he can either help place them down the road or that they would help him find uh, people that he needed to place and employees needed to place. So it was a, it's a great strategy and it's worked wonders for him. He's one of the top billers in the country right now. Yeah. Well, with that, Scott, I want to go ahead and thank all of our wonderful listeners for listening to this week's podcast. <laughs> well said, Andrew. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> And I uh, want to invite them to reach out to us. Uh, you can reach Scott. Scott, how can they reach you? Scott at GetViral. That's G-E-T-V-Y is in yellow, R-A-L.com. And yeah, we'd love to hear some feedback from all of you. How's the podcast going? If you have questions, concerns, maybe some guests you'd like to hear us interview or comments on interviews that we've already conducted, we'd love to hear that. And Yeah, and yeah, go and, ahead. Uh, if, no, I was just going to say, and if you... Uh, want to talk a little bit more about uh, with us about how we can help you with some video marketing and, and do some social media marketing for you, reach out as well. Great. And with that, we'll wrap up this week's episode of the Entrepreneurial Talent Recruiter Podcast. My name is Andrew Alex. And I'm Scott Solari. And we'll see all of you next week. Take care. <laughs>